Let's do it. This is Buccaneers Total Access, Total Access. with head coach Bruce Arians. Todd ball at the 25, 20, 15, 10, Mike Evans, touchdown Tampa Bay. Brought to you by Advent Health. With award-winning care and a network of convenient locations, Advent Health is here to help you feel whole. Learn more at yourcareyournetwork.com. Fire the cannons! Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips and head coach Bruce Arians. Welcome into the Bruce Arians Show. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. And uh, I know that there were a lot of efforts made to try to change some of the primetime woes the team had had so far. And I know the outcome definitely wasn't what you guys were hoping for. But did you feel like there was any improvement in the way the team started or or performed overall based on some of the changes to practice and other things that you guys did to try to uh, mitigate some of the the struggles from before? Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, it was uh, it was a. Everybody was ready to play. I, I thought uh, everything that we tried worked very, very well. And, um, you know, it was a, a game. We just didn't make enough plays to win, especially in the fourth quarter. And what were the Rams doing to limit the running game in particular so much? It's just a good job up front. And uh, we didn't do a very good job of, of pressing the hole running back-wise and, and overall blocking-wise uh, to get the job done. And I know there were also uh, a few drops by running backs and especially the screen pass game. And um, I wanted to know what you saw from, from those plays overall and then just how it did affect the offense overall when not only the, the run game itself was struggling a bit, but then even getting the running backs involved in the passing game was struggling a little bit as well. Yeah, the one the Rojo really wasn't, it wasn't even developed yet. We busted assignment on the other side, so we threw the screen way too fast. He wasn't, he wasn't even ready for it yet, but I don't even consider that a drop. Uh, Leonard, um, he dropped a couple of balls he normally catches. Um, overall, it wasn't a really good night for the running backs, but uh, they have the ability to play better. And what did you think of the offensive line? We knew that it was going to be another one again without Ali Marpet in there. So A.Q. Shipley at center, sliding Jensen over to guard. And then you end up losing Donovan Smith as well for at least a little bit of the game early on. So knowing that it was uh, not quite the same offensive line you would normally want to use and you're facing an incredibly tough defensive front from the Rams, how did you feel like their performance was? I thought our protection was really, really good uh, overall. Uh, the running game was what was disappointing. I thought we, we would run better. Um, against that six-man box, and, and uh, when we're in sub, um, we'd had some spurts where we ran the ball well, mixed it up, but overall it wasn't good enough. And what did you think of the offensive linemen having to step in there in different roles between A.Q. Shipley, and then you had to have Josh Wells step in there for a bit, and then even Aaron Stinney, who has very few regular season snaps under his belt, had to come in just a, briefly at the end of the game there. So having to go pretty deep on your, on your D-line or your offensive line in one game, I wanted to hear what you thought of those substitutes. All those guys played well. They didn't play that long. But when they were in there, they did their jobs. Uh, I thought AQ and, and uh, Ryan did a heck of a job again. Uh, I thought all night we handled Aaron Donald extremely well, which is hard to do. Uh, it was other guys that got us a couple of times. Yeah, I was going to ask about Aaron Donald. You guys held him without a tackle for just the third time in his career. So what did you think it was that led you guys to be successful against him specifically when, when so few teams can do that? I think guys just accepted the challenge, you know, and uh, knew where he was at all times and uh, wherever the help could come from, it got there. And, uh, you know, he's a heck of a guy to negate. So it was a really good job getting that job done. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both had incredible touchdown efforts that um, I think sometimes we maybe take for granted some of the things that they do. But I felt like both of those touchdowns were such an incredible display of their physicality and their effort. And I wanted to hear what you thought of each of those plays and just take us through both of those and what it said about each of them as wide receivers. 
yeah, Mike's was just, hey, let's get the first down. And then he just t- took it upon himself to drag everybody into the end zone with an incredible effort. And, uh, you know, he's big and strong and uh, dragging that guy with one leg. So great job by him. And then same thing with Chris. It was a shorter pass. He just did an outstanding job. And anytime Chris gets near that goal line, you know he's going to get it in. And uh, two, two great, great plays by great players. Yeah, and we saw the stat that Mike Evans became the first wide receiver in NFL history to get a touchdown in each of his first five Monday Night Football appearances. So even when there are times that the team is you know, struggling in primetime games, a guy like Mike continues to show up and uh, going against you know, somebody like Jalen Ramsey and, again, a, a great Rams D. I wanted to hear how you felt like his performance overall and same thing with, with Chris Godwin, even Antonio Brown, that you still had your wide receivers putting up some pretty big performances. Yeah, Mike, I think Mike won that battle. You know, he got a couple – he caught the flag route, but he still got a P.I. and he got another big one down the sideline. I thought Mike played great. And uh, Chris always plays as solid as he can possibly play. A.B. had a little bit more expanded role and did a heck of a job, especially with those third-down conversions. Yeah, those three guys I thought played really, really well. Was the expanded role for Antonio Brown something that you already had planned going into the game, or was it more about what the game gave you once it started? No, it was planned. You know, the more that uh, the longer he's here, the more things we can put him involved in, um, whether it was one tight end, four wides, or just our normal three wide receiver sets. And what was some of the decision making behind who you used in the return game, elevating Ken John Barner from the practice squad? And I know we'd seen Antonio Brown in that role a little bit in the game previously um, because of the fact that Jaden Mickens has, has been put onto the COVID list. So I wanted to hear just some of the thought process of, of why you used Barner, why maybe Antonio Brown wasn't in that role, maybe even why Scotty Miller hasn't been used a little bit more in that and, and what you see for those different roles there. Well, KB uh, Kenyon, he's been an outstanding returner for a long, long time. And uh, we he was he was not eligible last week either. So uh, we had to make a roster move for the COVID and got him up. And uh, I thought he did a heck of a job. You know, he's his last year in Atlanta, he had a long, long t- touchdown on a punt return. He also can give us some stuff in the passing game. So We'll hope to keep him up from now on. And, uh, you know, A.B., he's got enough on his plate. Last week we didn't have anybody else, so we had to put him – both those guys were out, so we had to put him back there. But uh, only in a, in a pinch. Uh, Scotty's just an emergency guy. And I know there were a couple uh, deep shots to A.B. during the game, just missed. And, and overall, I uh, wanted to hear what you think some of the uh, issues are with the deep ball, not being able to hit it a, f- a few more times in that game particularly, but um, especially in games since maybe the Raiders game, that feels like the last game that it was hit on a, a more consistent basis. And, and what's been going on with that? He's got to hit him. I mean, guys were getting down the field pretty good. I mean, A.B. went right off his fingertips. He usually makes that catch. Um, but, yeah, Tom's just got to hit those guys. Cam Brate had a couple uh, first down conversions in a row, and he just seems to be almost automatic on those. And he actually moved up to third in franchise history for tight end receptions during that game. And um, as much as he maybe hasn't gotten a massive role in the offense or tons of targets, he just seems to be a guy that is so reliable for you guys. So what does he bring to the offense, and, and what have you seen, in particularly in games like the Rams game from him? Yeah, dependability. You know, he's, you know he's going to catch it. He's always going to be where he's supposed to be, and uh, he's done a heck of a job. Um, you know, his role's increased a little bit the last couple of weeks. And can you take us through the two interceptions that Brady threw, you know, ironically, to, to the same guy for the Rams? Uh, what happened on each of those plays? Well, the first one, we had Chris open deep, and he got pressured uh, and uh, didn't quite get enough on it. And... Um, 
we got we had pressed up pressure off the left side. The last one was just a poor decision, did not read the coverage properly and, and threw a poor ball. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. We're still talking about that Rams game on Monday Night Football. Later in the show, we're going to look ahead to the matchup against the Chiefs. Coach, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the defensive pressure. That's been something that um, you guys have been able to do a lot this season. There's been a lot of blitzing, a lot of bringing different guys and, and really disrupting some other teams' quarterbacks, but weren't able to get Goff down in that game. So uh, what did you see from maybe their offensive line or their offense overall and what was keeping you guys from being able to put quite as much pressure on him as I'm sure you would have liked? Yeah, they threw the ball really, really quick. Uh, a lot of three-step stuff. And, uh, you know, they, and we missed 14 tackles, which is – we have not done that in a long time, especially in the first half. Uh, we gave them like 70 yards after missed tackles and yards after catch. Um, they, and they were huge in the first half. Um, either that or they max protected. So we got real close a couple of times. We just got to do a better job of getting some interior push. And our outside guys are rushing hard, but we need to get some more interior push. I mean, at least you did hold their rushing game to just 37 yards, which is pretty incredible, especially, you know, they tend to do it by committee, throw a lot of different guys out there. Uh, what were you proud of the defense for that even if you weren't able to get some of that push on Goff, uh, that you were able to really hold their running game? Yeah, the guys did a great job. That uh, We misfit one run. Other than that, they really got nothing. And uh, a lot of negative plays. I thought our defensive line and, and inside backers played well against the run. Um, it's just that we – we didn't get them in enough third and longs. We left them in way too many third and shorts. You guys did also get uh, nine and a half tackles for loss. And uh, Levante, of course, had three of those, which ties his career high for one game. Uh, what was working well to be able to get into the backfield in that way? Again, even if it wasn't on golf, to be able to have that many tackles and, and that much penetration into the backfield. Yeah, the defensive line did a great job of freeing him up. And, and Levante, he, Levante does such a great job of diagnosing plays and using his speed uh, and, and made some really, really good plays. Yeah, I was going to ask why Levante in particular is so good with that stat that in the top five guys in the league in that stat since 2012, he's the only one that's an inside linebacker. Everybody else is a bunch of pass rushers and defensive ends and that kind of thing. So uh, why is he particularly at his position able to do that so disproportionately to so many other people? Yeah, he's just a quick diagnoser of plays, really studies film. And, and again, he's got great quickness and speed. And when he hits it, he hits it. And another stat Levante had owned until last night. He was the only linebacker since 2013 to have uh, multi to have gotten uh, interceptions in multiple games in a row. JPP now the first guy since Levante in 2013 to do that two games in a row with an interception. He only had two in his whole career leading up to these last two games. So uh, tell us about that play and why all of a sudden JPP is uh, our interception king. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, they were running a screen pass. Uh, he stuffed the guy, followed him out there, and uh, saw the quarterback throwing it. I don't know if he was throwing it away, but JPP did a great job of reading his eyes and, uh, again, hanging on to the football. And uh, we got to work on his run after catch now. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. Uh, now with the, a couple of those takeaways in the game that the defense had, you moved to having 19 on the season, second in the NFL in that stretch this season with that stat. And I wanted to hear what has really caused the improvement particular there that even in times when the defense was was doing well last year it feels like this year the, the takeaway stat has been so reliably consistent where have you seen them improve in that since last year I think probably the linebackers inside and outside linebackers are doing a really good job in their zone drops and, and reading quarterbacks eyes um, you never would anticipate JPP to have a couple interceptions but we're getting them from a lot of guys Jordan made a great play on the ball uh, on an in route and uh, it's just guys are 
doing a really good job of with their eyes and we're not dropping many interceptions. Yeah, Jordan had that interception and uh, he had a tackle for loss as well. What did you see from from his game and the fact he's now gotten a couple interceptions this year after only having one last season? Yeah, just again, Jordan is one of those guys that he's going to be, when they're trying to run the football, he's hard to block and he's a good tackler. So he's always up there near the line of scrimmage. But that interception was one of his best plays of the year. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods uh, had some pretty monster games for the Rams, 145 and 130 yards, respectively. Uh, what was being a, a struggle with covering each of them, and, and what were they doing well that, that seemed to confuse or cause some issues with our DBs? Cooper Cup, it really wasn't coverage. It was tackling him. Uh, he caught two five-yard balls that turned into over 25-yard gains, and we just missed tackles. Uh, missed him twice on a one play on a five-yard out. Um, Robert Woods had a big play at the end of the game. We we just miscommunicated a coverage, and uh, we should have had both those guys double covered. That play should have never happened, but uh, it was just it was a poor poor play by uh, by our safeties on that play. And I know you uh, ended up losing Jamel Dean for part of the game, and Ross Cockrell came in for him. Uh, what kind of confidence do you have in Ross and, and what he can bring if if you are having to go back to him more, depending on Jamel's condition? Another really dependable, smart player. Made a great play on the screenplay. And uh, one thing about Ross, he, he's going to be where he's supposed to be at all times. There were a couple uh, costly red zone penalties defensively uh, for the Bucks, and But overall, since that Chicago game, penalties have, have not really been the issue that they were there. I know you've talked about what an emphasis that has been. So um, factoring in you know those couple from the Rams game, overall, how do you feel like the team has been playing in terms of discipline and, and especially since that Chicago game? Uh, mostly pretty, really, really well. I think special teams especially. We played penalty-free football a number of games now. But those are inexcusable offsides penalty in the red zone. Giving them first downs, uh, we had a chance to hold them to field goals both times, and giving them first downs was, was totally unacceptable. Both teams were converting on third down at a pretty high rate. I think at halftime, uh, the Bucks had converted six out of eight, and the Rams were five out of six. Uh, what was working well offensively for you guys to get those conversions and then not working so well defensively trying to get the Rams off the field? Offensively, we're staying in better manageable third downs. Uh, in the first half, we were we were way more manageable for third downs. Then in the second half, we got in some third and longs. Um, and seven plus has been a problem and it was a problem and we just did a poor job on first and second down. Uh, they did a great job of, of playing the game in third and five or less and, uh, and moving the chains on us with those short passes and screen passes. So uh, we just got to do a better job on first and second down to get them in third and longer. Do you feel like you have a sense of the identity of this team, you know, what they are, what they're made of on both sides of the ball, just one side of the ball? Because there, it, it just feels like there's been some inconsistency between either one game to the next or even maybe one half to the next. So what, what kind of a read do you feel like you have on them at this point? I know we're going to play really, really hard. And uh, we've been playing a lot smarter. Those two penalties were costly. And, uh, and we've been a really good tackling team. And in this ball game, we were not a very good tackling team. But offensively, it's just a matter of each and every week um, if the quarterback plays well or not. And our job is to get him, make sure he's comfortable and, and let him play well. Ryan Suckup hit his 17th field goal in a row, which I'm going to knock on like all the wood things around here. So you can't say anything is my fault. Uh, but that is the second longest streak 
in franchise history now. Um, just explain to us what he has meant to this team so far. I mean, he's leading the, the league in scoring uh, and, and just how great it is for you as a coach to have someone like him. Yeah, I'd like to have more extra points, um, but he has been really, really dependable. You know, the only times he's had any problem when we had protection problems. And, uh, but th those were nullified and uh, we fixed those. But yeah, Ryan has been extremely consistent. And uh, again, I wish we were kicking more extra points and less field goals. And I know that we had talked before the Panthers game about all the difficulties that had been thrown uh, to the team in terms of there was the hurricane, you had to alter practice schedule, there was the plane delay. Well, then there's also been just increased and more COVID protocols in recent weeks. Uh, how does that affect you guys as, as coaches in trying to prepare for things when, again, that's not something you normally have to deal with in a season? How does that affect the way you prepare and, and try to do your jobs when now there's there, just because as you get in the swing of preparing for that kind of stuff, there's some new now, you know, rules in the last week or two. It's really not hard for us. We have such a fantastic facility uh, that uh, it, we don't have to do anything virtual. Uh, we can do everything here at, at One Buck Place, inside or outside. So it really hasn't affected our preparation whatsoever. And I know that any short week of preparation is not ideal, but when you are doing it against the defending Super Bowl champs, that seems like an even taller order. What are the particular challenges with this team of trying to prepare on a short week? Yeah, it's very, very hard. Again, you lose a, you lose a whole practice on Wednesdays. Uh, and, and again, it's going to be a very mental week. Uh, this time of the year, it shouldn't affect us that much. Uh, but they have so many weapons on offense, and defensively, they're playing extremely well also. So uh, for us, it's just getting getting healthy, getting rested, and uh, trying to stop Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's that's a thing that I think a lot of teams have, have tried to figure out. So I'm sure uh, if, if you've got the blueprint for that, a lot of teams would love to have it. What do you see uh, from him at this point in the season now? Uh, he at least is a little bit more of a known uh, quantity than when he first came into the league. What are some of the things that you see in terms of his strengths, his potential ways that you can uh, try to exploit that with defense and, and what it's going to look like trying to stop him? Well, he has no weaknesses, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, the guy can backpedal away from pressure and throw it 40, 50 yards on a dime. So uh, we're going to have to pressure him. We're going to have to get after him. We're going to stop that running game because once they get that running game going there, that's a two-headed monster. But uh, between Travis Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill and all the rest of their weapons, uh, it's a really big challenge for us. Yeah, what have you seen from running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as a rookie this season and what he has brought to, as you mentioned, an already multidimensional offense? Well, he's a good pass protector. He's a, he's a really strong runner, um, hard to bring down. He's got excellent hands. He's a heck of a back, and that's why he was taking the first back in the draft. Uh, but then you add Le'Veon Bell in there, so they've got a good one-two punch, and they're not missing any weapons at any position. And as much as they get a lot of attention on their offense for good reason, uh, their defense has some potent people, definitely one you're familiar with, Tyrant Matthew. So tell me about their defense overall and, and the people and, and the aspects of it to look out for. Well, Chris Jones is, uh, is a guy that, uh, you know, NFC teams don't know, but he's almost as disruptive as Aaron Donald. Um, this guy's an interior player that just creates havoc. Frank Clark off the edge. Like you said, Tyron, they've got a good young secondary. So, again, they're, they're a very highly rated defense and a really good football team. This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians, brought to you by Advent Health. We'll be right back with special teams coordinator Keith Armstrong, so don't go anywhere. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. Now more with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. We had head coach Bruce Arians with us the first half of the show, and now I am excited to be joined by special teams coordinator Keith Armstrong. Keith, thanks for being with me. Oh, thank you. 
Uh, so I know, of course, outcome, not what you guys were hoping for Monday Night Football, but I uh, wanted to hear a little bit about what you thought from your guys in particular. Let's start with Bradley Pinion. Um, how about with his punting? How did you feel like he was able yeah, to fare in that I thought, Monday? I thought he had a really good day uh, punting the football. Um, he had a 60-yard punt. Um, he actually, this was the best placement he's had um, in, in, in about four or five games. So in this league, you obviously want to place the ball outside the numbers. You can't punt the ball down the middle of the field, all right, to the, uh, you know, obviously to the returner. He's back there for a reason. He's pretty good. So you actually want him to go chase the ball, and then you've got those two free gunners outside that get the run to the ball at the snap. So you're actually punting to, we say we're actually punting to our gunners. Um, and he did a nice job of that. Um, he had a plus 50 punt down in there, but that was pretty good. Um, and I thought he did a really good job, um, of kicking off. He had five kickoffs, five touchbacks, but they were touchbacks that were all outside the numbers, you know? So he, he, not only did he have, uh, direction he, or, or placement, he had direction as well. So that was pretty good. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, with him, with kicking off, I just almost wonder sometimes why they even put a return guy back there. It just feels like he's yeah. automatic on, on touchbacks. Yeah, you know, he is. You know, the, the thing that, um, you know, that we're trying to get ready for is if you, you get your, we're getting ourselves in the playoffs and we have to go on the road, you know, you're going to be – you may be kicking somewhere that's outdoors and cold. So now that ball's not traveling. So, you know, and, and we haven't had as many cover reps as you'd like, but you'll take the touchbacks, you know. So it's catch-22, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, with his hang time and placement and everything, with, he, with, with what he uh, did yesterday, it would have uh, won for us. What are the benefits of having your punter be the guy kicking off for you? What does that do maybe for, uh, for Ryan Suckup or just in general? What, what are some of the, the pros and cons to that decision? Right. Um, I think the biggest benefit, and I, I fell into this in Atlanta, um, but the biggest benefit is if you've got a younger punter who can kick off, you can now have a veteran place kicker. So who doesn't have to kick off? You know what I mean? So that allows you to have a Matt Bryant or a Ryan Suckup um, because you, you take part of that away from them. Because if they have to, if they have to kick off, they can do it. But you probably got about four games, you know what I mean, before injuries start coming in and that type of stuff. So it allows us to, you know, a, a young big guy like Bradley Pinion, he can punt and kick off. And now you can bring a, a, a veteran place kicker in and Ryan Suckup, who's been in every situation, known the man. So, you know, so he can actually go in and execute those situations for you. So it allows you to have a veteran place kicker. And I mean, speaking of, of Ryan Suckup, he hit his, I believe, seventeenth field goal in a row. Which I'm, I'm knocking on all the wood. I'm, yes, I'm doing all please, the things. please, let me find something right now before you jinx me real good. But go ahead. <laughs> exactly. I know. I, I knew I had to do that. I'm covering my bases, so you can't say it's right. my fault if something goes wrong. Um, right. But that is uh, the second longest uh, streak in franchise history at this point. Um, how impressed have you been with? his ability to come in here and be that consistent. Right. I tell you, the biggest thing about him is he's a pro. I mean, you really enjoy being around him every day. Very humble person, um, but he is, a, he is a true pro. Um, he has a routine. He goes through the same routine every day. 
Uh, you can totally trust him. You know exactly what he's doing. You know exactly what his plan is. Um, sometimes I will admit it drives me a little crazy, but this is the routine we're going through. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, all right, so come on, hurry up and warm up. So he's got this long warm up routine and, you know, and he's just swinging that leg and you're like, are you warm yet? And he's like, no coach, 10 more minutes. Well, we only got, you know what I mean? Cause we're all on the clock. So, uh, but he, uh, you know, he has a routine, he has a plan. Um, you know, it, it's really, you know, it's, it's good. Um, he's a good football player and he does a lot. I mean, he's confident in what he's doing. We're talking to special teams coordinator, Keith Armstrong. I have imagined that maybe you deal with more, um, I don't know, superstitious players than the average coach or that it just feels like in general, special teams is where you, you do get a lot of that um, mental side and, and wanting things to be just right in a routine like that. Is, is that fair? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, there's no doubt, right? Uh, everybody's got their routine. I, I was wearing the same color underwear for three weeks. I washed them, but every every Saturday and Sunday I was wearing, I wore gray and then I had red ones on. So I, I didn't want to change that routine because, I, you know, we had a little streak going. So, yes, I we get into streaks. This was your Tiger Woods red on a Sunday situation? Yes, yes. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> you know what I mean? So we've all, yes, it, even coaches as well, you know. So, uh, yeah, you deal with a lot of that. Everybody has a certain way of doing things, whether it's the snapper, the punter, all right, the kicking coach, the you know, my assistant, Keith Tandy. We all have routines like – all right, that's my pencil. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So I use this pencil on game day. Da -da 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 -da. So, yeah, there's all kinds of superstitious stuff going on. Well, you know, and it's not like I can discredit it. It's obviously working as we talked about how well it's going. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. hey, keep keep doing it. Now we know if things go wrong, it must mean that you have changed your underwear. Ch I had, I've changed. Yes. Did laundry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, you guys were – using Barner for the return guy for the, for the first time. I mean, it's already, you've had to use a few different guys because of the COVID list and different things. Right. So um, I wanted to hear about specifically the decision to use Barner in Monday night after you had used Antonio Brown the week before and, and how those decisions got made. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Kenyon's has been a good returner in this league. Um, and he offered us the ability to not only play as a punt returner and kickoff returner, but he's also a, a really good cover guy. So he gives you something as a gunner on the punt team, and he also gives you something that, on kickoff coverage. So I think what, what the, you know, the bottom line is this. We said, okay, we know that uh, not only is he just a returner, you don't want to bring someone up and then they're just going to return kickoffs because if the other team's kicking touchbacks, you're not getting anything out of it. So he brings more to the table than just being a returner. And he is, he's aggressive. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a big time returner. He's actually scored. I mean, he, he can score, set up a score. Um, he can run all the returns. Uh, I love his confidence. Um, so, you know, that, that led to the decision that, to activate him because of the, all the other things that he could do. So the more you bring to the core group at the bottom of that roster, you know, obviously the better chance you have of being active. And how about Jaden Mickens? What had you seen from him before he had to go on the COVID list uh, for a little bit here? And, and what had you thought of his performance as a return guy? 
Yeah, I think, you know, Mick, Mick does a nice job. He's, he's quick. Uh, he's definitely, you know, he's going to make good decisions. He's going to manage the game, which is what you want from a, a, a veteran player. Um, and once he catches the ball now, he's going to make the first man miss. You know, uh, he can make you miss in a phone booth. And bam, bam, most people don't know what phone booths are anymore. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, or, you've, you know, if you've gone to a 7-Eleven lately, you probably have an idea where what a phone booth looks like. But, um, but he can actually uh, get the ball vertical as well. Uh, both of those guys have been good returners in this league, and they're definitely a threat, you know, to score. So it, it's really uh, a, a pleasure to have them on our team. Who are some of the other guys that you have prepared and ready to be return guys on the team? I mean, I, I know that I feel like the mantra of 2020 is that you have to be prepared for a million oh, yeah. scenarios. So yeah. who, who are some of the other guys? We Gamut. We've got Tyler uh, Johnson, um, obviously, uh, Scotty Miller, all right, Justin Watson. Um, those are really probably the three, the next three guys that we would, we would, uh, you know, and talk about uh, obviously AB, you know what I mean? But uh, you can put him in at any time. Um, uh, you know, obviously a very explosive returner. But that that's pretty much the list. Uh, Winfield, uh, I, I, you know, he's, he's done it in college and in very good hands. Um, so there, there, there's enough guys that we can, you know, if, if we had to in a, in a pinch or in an emergency to uh, get us out of a game uh, to be able to step up and finish that we trust it could catch the ball and manage the game. How did you feel about the uh, punt coverage and kick coverage from Monday night's game? I thought that this was probably the best that we have covered all year. Uh, they had two returns for a total of two yards. So uh, the, that, that was probably our best demonstration of coverage this, uh, this uh, year. And the thing I liked about it was there was more than one person making the tackle. There was four and five guys, you know, on each play. Um, you know, we talk about coverage concepts and coverage principles and basically first man down there, go take a shot. Make the play or make sure you cut off the wide side of the field. Talking about the second guy stopping the ball and everybody else being able to fit where needed. And I know I'm probably speaking a foreign language to you, but it, it, what happens is it allows you to go play fast. So you're playing leading player, trailing player. So first man down, go. You see one man ahead of you, obviously you're second. So you, you're going to stop the ball. If you've seen two, you're third, bam, fit where needed. And that showed up uh, in the game. And uh, it was good to see the guys go cover like that. They did a nice job um, with the punt protection. All right, and then did a really good job in, in coverage. So I was happy to see that. Uh, we would have loved to have stripped them, gotten the ball off of them, and given us a chance to, to go, you know, set up a score. You know, because that's our ultimate goal is to either score or set up a score on teams. And uh, we didn't get the opportunity uh, to do that with our coverage units. But they did a nice job of, of covering Webster um, and shutting him down. All right, well, we have more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with Special Teams Coordinator Keith Armstrong, brought to you by Evan Health. We'll be right back. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucs insider Casey Phillips. 
Welcome back to Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. We are here with special teams coordinator Keith Armstrong. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about how your group played really well Monday night. And, you know, the, the team overall, there'd been a lot of discussion about primetime game struggles. And uh, the coaching staff had made some changes last week in terms of practicing at night and trying to do a few more things to get everybody fired up and, and ready to go. Um, did that affect, you know, your group as well? And, and did you see a, a difference in the way that it got you guys ready? Because, I mean, if you're talking about starting fast, your group is the first one out there kind of helping set the tone sometimes. Yeah. Um, I thought the guys came out ready, you know, came out ready to play and the guys played hard. Um, like I said, uh, Bradley from Bradley Pinion uh, to Triner to all the guys on the core, um, the, you know, everybody came out and played with energy. Uh, you could feel the energy on the sideline and the guys, you know, they wanted to go play, um, and which, 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 which was different from, the you know the previous games not that anybody wasn't ready to play but it was quiet you know uh you could see you're like okay are we you know because a lot of times you have to remember right when guys are playing well it can be quiet and then sometimes when they're not playing well it's loud so there's a lot of talking but there ain't a whole lot doing going on you know what I'm saying? So, you know, you, you got to kind of get the feel. But yesterday it was a, it was a, or last night with the cover guys, they were all talking about the right things and everybody was on the same page. And, and uh, if a guy was, you know, a guy messed up, the other guys were getting on him before I got to him. You know what I mean? So it was, um, I think the guys showed up to play. You know, it was unfortunate that we couldn't make enough plays. We needed to we needed to make a play on special teams, and we didn't make a play. That was a disappointing thing. Whether whether it was a punt return or a uh, kickoff return, we didn't make a play. Unfortunately, uh, Hecker, that was a bad night for him. He didn't punt the ball very well, and I say that, but I'm not so sure he didn't do that on purpose. Uh, in fact, you know, in terms of hitting a high short ball and now making us come up to catch it, um, and that's what they were doing, you know, throughout the night, whereas typically he's, he's going to try and flip the field and punt that ball 60 yards down the field and give you a hell of a chance to return it, and they didn't uh, give us that opportunity. Well, and when you know he's a guy that can also be such a threat to throw the ball and throw, you know, yep. some trick plays in there, um, is that something that you guys – yeah, we had talked about it, and we knew that it was Webster. Number 14 was the guy that, they, that he throws to. So, And we knew that if he was on the right side, it probably wasn't going to happen. But if he lined up on, the, on their left, our right, that they were probably going to throw the ball to him. You know what I mean? So we were covered in that regard in terms of fakes and, and that kind of stuff. And knowing that Johnny's done it, you know, whether it's run or pass, you know, we always we at least had seven men in the box to uh, try to discourage that uh, from happening. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting to get to hear about the the way that you guys scout teams. That you know, we hear so much about the way the offense and the defense watches film and scouts and prepares. But I think the the special team side of it we don't hear about as right. much. So, what are the big things that you guys do throughout the week to prepare? Um, maybe we'll start with the the coverage teams. Um, yeah. you know, what, what you guys are really um, watching for. Like on, um, for example, like punt, for, uh, the biggest thing, you know, you, the first thing you have to do is protect. So if you're going to be good in coverage, you have to be good in protection. 
Um, but you have to know who. So it's it starts getting into uh, personnel, uh, people. Like 51 Reader, we knew he was a good player. Uh, number 50 for them had a really good up and under, and it was an outside linebacker and a starter for him, or a part-time starter for him, but had had a good had a good rush trait, some skills to rush. Well, we have a wide receiver blocking and a strong safety blocking. Neither one of them are offensive linemen, but you're getting rushed by number 50 who rushes offensive linemen. So you have to go through that whole thing. So we knew, we try to identify who the people are that have the good rush traits on their unit. And then we try to obviously identify the returner, what the returner likes to do. Like this week, uh, Webster is more of a sideline returner, and Cup was more of a vertical returner. He was going to get the ball up the field. So we always knew who was back there uh, catching the punts because um, – Obviously, if you don't stop the ball, um, Fort 10 was going to bring it right up the field, Cup. Um, and if you didn't stop the ball with 14, it may not have mattered because he was already running a sideline return in his mind. So uh, just knowing the personnel and what they like to do from who is their best rusher to who hold, how do they hold up and then who can we outrun in coverage and, you know, I mean, obviously placing the ball outside the numbers and trying to execute what we do better than they're doing, executing what they do um, and, and getting that part of it done. That kickoff coverage is, is similar. Um, the, it's, kickoff coverage is more like an offensive running play. So just think about the kickoff as the snap count. So hut one, hut two, hut three, hut four, bam, ball's caught. Now the play starts. So what we're trying to do is squeeze the field and close as much of that field down uh, to the ball. So trying to kick that ball outside the numbers to the left or right with hang time so that we can get down there and that cadence takes longer. The longer that cadence takes, i.e. hang time, the, clo the closer we can get to the ball and the more we can squeeze. So those – and then the play that they're running – uh, on kickoff return is more more times than not it's either going to be a man return where everybody has a guy and the returner's just trying to find a crease or they're trying to create a crease where they double team uh, one or two people and kick two people out which would be your power o on offense so all of it's very similar we just have to run 30 yards to get to it you know, so there's there's a, so it, we always make the you know we always make the analogy. Uh, we love guys that play on third down. You know what I'm saying uh, in terms of special teams. But if a guy's playing on first and second down and coming off the field on third down, we don't need him on fourth down. You know what I'm saying? It's like so space players are are, are huge uh, in the coverage game because you're trying to run thirty to forty yards down the field to go to go start the play. So yeah, that's, I'd, I'd be exhausted before the play ever started. Yes. So most kickoff returns, you can liken a kickoff return and a punt return to a screen play on offense. I like that. I like that a lot. We're talking to special teams coordinator Keith Armstrong. Um, I know that earlier this year uh, during training camp when, when people were asking Coach Arians about some of the areas he was most concerned of losing time because of the COVID offseason, he mentioned that he felt like special teams was an area that could potentially 
lose some of the most amount of reps that it's one of the harder things to do over Zoom or, or to, to rep through without really getting to be out there at practice. Was that something that you, you did you share that opinion and how hard did it end up being? Yeah, I, yeah I think um, what I did was uh, I did a lot of voiceover tapes and then sent them out. But it's, you know, I guess sometimes when you're doing the voiceover and you're doing the Zoom, um, what happens is you, as you as a coach, you're you're uh, easing your own conscience. Because <laughs> what I learned is it doesn't work. <laughs> so I think the biggest thing you have to do with these guys is not so much even meetings; it's the walkthrough time. You know, it's actually getting on the field and walking through it, so that everybody <laughs> has a thorough understanding of what you're trying to get done. And guys need to learn how to play off each other. So what, what Coach was getting at was in the preseason, you had four preseason games, and they're live, punts are live, kickoff coverage is live, and we're kicking it in play so, because you're trying to train so many young guys on how to cover a kick. Most of these young guys haven't covered a kick because they've been starters in college since their freshman year. So they haven't even had to cover a kick. So now you're trying to get all that going. And sometimes that's, you know, that it's new for some guys like Cam Gill's going to be a really good special teams player, but he's learning on the run, you know. Um, you know, he, he, and he's doing a good job with it, but all those reps are missing from, you know, you, you cover four punts in four preseason games, right? 16 games, that's 16 covers or 16 reps, 16 covers, uh, uh, reps for, for a young guy. That's huge, you know, and that's hard to simulate that with your own team because you, you can't hurt somebody. You know what I mean? So you, that, that's the problem. You say, well, why, how about you just have an inner squad scrimmage? Well, we did. We had two of them, and, uh, you know, nobody got hurt. But if you did that every week, you know I mean, you everybody being in the, in the uh, training room. So, But the reps are missing, and, and, and we're still uh, – every, and it's everybody in the league. So, uh, But, it, you know, you just keep teaching and keep teaching. But the thing that I've learned over the uh, – you know, from the pandemic is this walkthroughs are a whole lot better than meetings. You, cause you, you get, you get their attention, you know? So if a guy's got his, you know, they're all, they're all on iPads when you're in the meeting, cause they're following you in the meeting on their iPad. Um, and sometimes the iPad gets their attention a lot more than you do. So, but when you're up and walking through it, you actually have to focus on that and you have to be there. You know, um, it's hard to not be in, you know, uh, it's hard to not be in a punt protection walkthrough when you're the right guard and we're rushing you. You know what I'm saying? So you actually have to pay attention and, and, uh, and, and digest it, I guess, so to speak. But I've found out over time, if I've, if I ever had get offered, Hey Keith, you got either or, cause a lot of times, all right, Hey Keith, you got 20 minutes. You want to meet, you want to walk through, walk through. You, I'll, I'll give you the notes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll give you my notes. I'll write your notes for you. And then rather, I'd rather go walk through it. That's the biggest thing I've learned. And I, moving forward, I'll, I'll, I'll give up meeting time for a walkthrough anytime. That makes complete sense. All right. Well, we have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health with special teams coordinator Keith Armstrong. So don't go anywhere. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians now continues. Brought to you by Advent Health. We are here with special teams coordinator Keith Armstrong. 
Um, you know, we were talking about the challenges of this particular offseason, you know, because of COVID and losing so much time. And you mentioned the idea that a lot of guys who maybe haven't been doing special teams in a while since they were stars in college, but also just the idea of how many young guys you have on special teams that I, I'm sure it's a larger um, grouping of them than in any other position group. Uh, how does that affect the way that you guys try to do things? And, and what do you see as the difference in some veteran guys versus rookies in, in terms of figuring it out? Well, you do have a lot more young guys than everybody. I'm kind of the training ground. What I've seen in my 27 years in this league is, Keith, you got them. And once they see the guy play well, for me, I usually lose him. <laughs> now they're like, okay, I'll take him. <coughs> I'll take him. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, we get most of the young guys, and, which is fine. I mean, it, it's, you know, if you understand, it, it, the biggest thing is this to me. It's not so much young, it's immature. Uh, that's what doesn't work. You know, I mean, you can be young and be a good special teams player as long as you're mature. It's when a young guy doesn't want to accept his role. You know what I mean? That's when the, it, becomes, it becomes a problem. Uh, but most of these young guys, are, they want to cover. They want to go do it, obviously. Um, you know, they want to prove themselves. And, and uh, this is a good group this year. Um, so they didn't have the opportunity to get the early reps like we talked about. So that's what we're in the process of getting with them. And that's why I think the walkthroughs are, are so much uh, more educational for them because we can slow it down for them and talk them through it. Uh, I think the biggest thing is they have to make sure that the, you, know, you get a lot of information. Make sure you're getting the right information all the time. Um, you know, that type of thing uh, with the young guys. But uh, what was your other question? How do they blend with the older players? How you see uh, older players maybe even trying to help out or just how, how that dynamic can work. Yeah. I think, I think you, when you, like we've got a good group of older guys and they'll take them under their wing. So, you know, a lot of times a young guy will take the information and they interpret it. So their interpretation of the information is usually not right. But the vet will at least, I can, I'll just stand over there and watch, and you can see the vet talking him through in detail why we don't want to do that. So you may not know all the reasons why sometimes, because I just said, hey, just do this. And it's because we're on a five-minute period, and I'm trying to coach all 11 of you. So just do this. And then the vet will say, he's telling you to do this so that this and this doesn't happen. And if you do it this way, now you're forcing uh, your, you know, so they'll say, okay, now this would be the advantage to it. So, you know, nowadays these guys all need a, a thorough explanation. You know I mean? When I was in kindergarten, you got milk in the, and you took a piece of carpet that was your mat and you went and sat on the mat, drank your milk, kept mouth shut. That doesn't, this is a different group. <laughs> So, you know what I mean? So you got you, these guys, you, you know, you have to, you have to work with, with, uh, with these guys and, and they're a good group of kids. They're willing. The vets do a really good job with them though. All right. We're talking to special teams coordinator, Keith Armstrong. Uh, last thing for you here. I want to hear who are some of the standout people that you've had on special teams coverages, you know, whether it's young guys, it's veterans, who are some of the guys that you've been really impressed by this year? Uh, Cam Gill is, is been good. 
you know, obviously he's a young guy that we like. I think he's going to be a good football player for us. Um, Ryan Smith obviously is is a good gunner for us and a good uh, kickoff cover guy. Ryan gets doubled and triple teamed so much sometimes. You're like, okay, I don't see him. Well, he's taking three other guys out of the play and somebody else is making the play, but you had to triple team him uh, in order to keep him from, from doing it. So sometimes that comes up for him. And unfortunately, we haven't had to cover as many kickoffs I saved that before for the cover guys because they want to make tackles, and but Bradley's kicking, doing a hell of a job, you know, with the touchbacks. So again, catch twenty-two. Um, but uh, I, I'd say uh, Ryan would be a big one for us. Justin Watson is a productive football player for us. Does a hell of a job, uh, you know, obviously covering kicks and, and taking care of his business as well. So that you know, the, when you look at the whole group. Everybody, um, you know, for for the most part, like I said this past week, now they competed and 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 you could see it. Winfield, you know, uh, he's the starting safety, uh, a rookie out of Minnesota, but this kid's so impressive. Uh, everything he does, he's it's like a vet. Now his dad played, and but that's my point about maturity. He's so far, he's so far ahead of a lot of other guys simply because he's already been given the information. So for him, I remember day one when when I told him, I said, "Look, now you got a chance to be PP." I said, "I'd like to get together, talk with." This is when everybody we all first got here. Next thing you know, at the end of the day, he's in my office. So I was like, "You know what? Your dad taught you well." You know what I mean? So he was like, "Let's spend the time now." He said, "There, you know, like I want all the information. I don't care how long it takes." And let's spend the time now. So you could tell that he was really a true pro. So those are the couple of guys that jump out, you know, uh, in terms of uh, cover guys that have, have done a nice job here lately. So, but Pat O'Connor obviously had the block uh, punt in at Denver. Uh, has done a nice job. I talk about a defensive lineman. Everybody sees seventy nine. You're like seventy nine. Is he on special teams? Yep. <laughs> so, you know, who it, it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want, you know what I mean, once you get the mind right. That's awesome. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome. I have really appreciated it, and uh, good luck against the Chiefs this next week. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. This has been Buccaneers Total Access with Head Coach Bruce Arians and Special Teams Coordinator Keith Armstrong, brought to you by Advent Health. We'll see you next week. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access with Head Coach Bruce Arians has been brought to you by Advent Health. With award-winning care and a network of convenient locations, Advent Health is here to help you feel whole. Learn more at yourcareyournetwork.com. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. 95.3 WDAE and AM620 St. Petersburg. Home of the best box coverage.